for joining me for another episode of Shethi's Sandbox. You may notice that this is the first time I'm releasing two episodes at the same time. Well, they're from the same conversation with the multi-talented Tom Pearson. However, one episode is slightly more condensed than the other. So if you have some extra time and want to listen to the small talk, feel free to check out the extended cut. Let me know if you like this option uh, of having a shorter listen or if you don't think it's all that necessary. Uh, I do have a correction to make. You'll hear me say that my brother Steven is in New Mexico. I don't know where I get this stuff from. He's actually on assignment at the Banner Desert Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona. I knew that. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the self-proclaimed chameleon, Tom Pearson. Hey, Tom. Hello. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm sorry it's a little uh, later than um, I thought. I was... uh, rushing from work and then I'm like trying to get the computer up and going and I, I made sure I like told my daughter I don't want to hear from you for the next hour and 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and I can still hear her from the other rooms so I had to go tell her okay I'm still hearing you <laughs> yeah yeah okay so um I have had four interviews uh using the anchor app and they all worked really well until halfway through my last interview. And so, and it was, everything was fine in the moment. It wasn't until after uh, it finished recording that it recorded uh, where the audio was over each other. And so you would hear my guest answering a question that I hadn't even asked yet. Right. And then we would be like talking over each other. So it was really um, I'm hope I'm just hopeful that that was a fluke and that this is going to work well because I don't have another <laughs> way of recording it figured out quite yet. But, sure. Um, uh, well, bef- uh, since well, I'm kind of and if something happens and uh, I mean we can always do the interview again. You know, have whatever. another conversation. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Good. Yeah. Why not? Uh, because what I have found is that even if no one listens to a single episode. I have personally gotten so much from these conversations that I, I'm just thankful that I have uh, an excuse slash platform to be able to talk with, you know, people that I find fascinating. And it's it's been, I don't know, I feel like the timing has been perfect for, for all of these. But uh, I feel a little flighty can you just do a little grounding for us before we get into this just sure, like sure yeah <laughs> take some breaths i don't know absolutely so just to take a moment to, to acknowledge your feet okay just feel your feet from the inside out just acknowledge that your feet are here they're right here And come up to the knees and acknowledge your knees. Feel the knees from the inside out. And knees are here. Acknowledge your hips. And feel the hips. Hips are here. And come into the belly and the low back. Feel them. They are here. 
the ribs that hold the heart and the lungs. Feel them, feel the heart beating, feel the lungs breathing. It's all here. Feel the shoulders and the arms and the hands. Feel them, they're here, they're right here. Come into the neck and the head and the face. Feel them, they're here. And now feel your inhale. Feel the fullness of the inhale. The inhale is now. Feel the nowness and exhale. Feel the exhale. The exhale is now. Inhale now. Exhale now. Settling in the body which is here and the breath which is now. Becoming fully present. I do feel better. Good. Me too. Okay. All right, here we go. Thanks for joining us in Sheffy's Sandbox. We are April and Steven, a brother and sister duo, and we invite you to play with us and our guest, Tom Pearson. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. And I, it occurs to me that it might be strange for me to reference uh, Steven, who's not actually here. <laughs> he, I, I designed this podcast with the idea that he would be uh, joining me. And uh, he, so far, uh, he, he's a nurse and he's been on assignments uh, for COVID-19 response. Uh, so first he was in New York City and now he's just uh, gone to New Mexico and that's where he is. And recording these hasn't really... Uh, worked well into his schedule but um you're missing out on a lot but <laughs> i think i think we'll have a very nice conversation uh yeah just the well, two of us I'd like to send blessings uh, to your brother for all that hard work and and uh yeah i've, I've got some friends that, that do the same thing and I, I i can't i can't imagine i'm, I'm such a uh you know I, I need my time to sit and meditate and all that good stuff that uh being of that level of service, uh, I, I've, yeah, kudos to, to those people for sure. Well, in our first segment, we hit a virtual coffee house here at the beach. <laughs> and so what is the order that you're going to give the barista today? Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty plain coffee drinker. I, uh, I like just a, an Americana with cream. You know, half and half is my my favorite. So uh, that, that's that's my my coffee, my drink of choice. I went to uh, you said you like rabbit holes. I went to uh, uh, oh, what's it called? A Dutch Brothers uh, for the first time the other day. I just moved here to to Bend, Oregon, and uh, and I, I drove up and I saw the menu and I'm like, uh, I don't even know what half of this stuff is because I normally just make coffee my, myself and. Uh, and I was looking at all the things. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's like the, the menu is endless with what you can get with coffee nowadays. It's Nowadays, I sound like an old man, but uh, it's crazy. But I, I just I, I, I said, what 
do you have coffee with cream? And they were like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm pretty, pretty boring with my coffee. I, I love, I just love plain, well-brewed coffee. Uh, if you well, you can... know what I call that. I, I call that just uh, knowing what you like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something yeah. with proven results, like. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I think if I did have my choice, it would be a French press. I, I love a, a strong French press coffee with cream. That's my favorite. Yeah. All right. Well, now that you have your beverage, let's dive right in. Cool. Uh, So traditionally, we only allow unfamous people on this podcast. And we say that because we didn't have any famous people lined up. And that makes us feel better (laughs) about it. Um, (laughs) So what could be your five-second claim to fame or longer? Uh, What could you be famous for? Oh, Let's see. What could I be famous for that I can relate on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Tom, you're not saying I'm going to possibly see you on something that has jazz music in the background. Well, well, we'll, just, well, we'll, we'll just say that I, I probably won't be able to run for office. <laughs> because of my, my, my claim to fame will... will uh, will be heightened really quickly. Anyway. Um, okay. I'll, in the uh, show notes, I'll, I'll put your, your stage name. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I was a performer uh, once. That's, I, I actually went to school to become a performer. So uh, there, there are a few, a few performances um, that I'm really proud of uh, that, you know, I, was, I, I went to school to be an opera singer and uh, um so there were there were some performances that I would I would like to think that uh, I had some notoriety, some claim to fame. Um, and, and what comes I to mind? I did not know that yeah. about you at all. Yeah, what comes to mind is uh, I was invited to sing the Messiah, uh, the tenor part in the Messiah, one Christmas at uh, Rice University Shepherd School of Music, uh, and that was a, a huge audience oh my goodness i walked out on stage and my, my knees about buckled out from underneath me and uh and then i did it again at, at uh palmer memorial church um right across the street from from uh rice university i did it there and that was a huge audience too these huge uh messiah sing-alongs but uh but i was a soloist a tenor soloist and, and so those were some moments of of, of notoriety of, of some some fleeting fame, but uh, certainly not uh, not anything that anybody ran and got the CD of. <laughs> <laughs> could they? Would there be a recording, a recording of the performance that someone could listen to? You think? Yeah, I, I think that uh, all of those uh, recordings that are done at Shepherd School are kept in an archive somewhere. Okay, I'm going to yeah. see if I can find them, and if they have a link, I will definitely include those in the show notes as well. Oh my goodness. So, I'm really excited to like <laughs> listen to you sing. Okay, we're going to well, get that, into that, would that have been, further. That would have been early, that would have been about 2002. So I don't know if they had links to performances back then, but uh, unless they've archived it. They may have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, guests were asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation. Something that doesn't get enough. Uh, play enough airtime, and the prior guest chose 
That's where I'm cueing you, Tom. What oh, was it? Schadenfreude. Yeah. So you are tasked to try to somehow fit that into our conversation today. Right. Got it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or just something that resonates with you. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? I think the, the word that I'm, I'm most interested in recently is impact. And um, it's about becoming aware of our, the, the impact of my footprint on, on the world, um, on people around me. You know, and, and I was just doing some, some meditation and you know, I, I work here and I'm close to a, to a street and you know, I, all these loud trucks and, and uh, uh, just the, the noise and the light levels and, and all this sort of stuff that this man-made um, stirring that's, that seems to be ever present uh, and, you know, and a, and a few days ago was the, the 4th of July and the, the booms and the, the bangs that, you know, when it's time to go to bed and, you know, the, the impact on my poor dog the whole night was, was uh, I mean, she was just a shaky mess. And, and, of course, that had an impact on me and not being able to sleep well and, you know, all that just just about impact. How, how is the action that I'm taking right now? What impact is that going to have in five, ten minutes from now, an hour from now, a day from now, and so on? What what is the impact of every single purchase that I make? Um, you know, just every everything that I do. What is the impact? And uh, not just on me. You know, the impact on on the people around me and on Mother Earth, uh, on the children uh, that are coming after me, whether they're my own or someone else's, what, what is the impact? And, uh, and so I, I think that an awareness of that word, if, if people could just become more aware of that particular word, what's my impact? Um, you know, there could be a little more, uh, I don't know, an awakening, like, hmm, is this really worth it? So that's that's what I'm leaving for your next guess is impact. Impact. Okay, I like it. <clears throat> uh, something that came up to me when you were talking is that um, uh, I had a, a centering session with you. Mm -hmm. That, and um, I didn't realize what a gift it was going to be, uh, what, how much I needed it <laughs> right then. Um, but what had come up during that. Um, Zoom meeting was, um, I felt like uh, people in my life, I wasn't being, I don't know, sharing certain parts of my life, um, but I was coming from a, a, a place of not trying to be uh, fake or inauthentic, but just being protective. But I still, I guess, maybe felt like I needed to apologize for that. And I totally wasn't expecting you to say, sounds like you need to bless that message. And first of all, I didn't know exactly what that meant <laughs> because I haven't really heard anyone say that phrase, mm -hmm. like you need to bless that. Um, and so I think that was great in that because I wasn't used to something being worded like that, it made me think about it. 
um, I was like, oh, you know what? And I felt like so, um, I felt, it was liberating. It was nice to be uh, heard and acknowledged that that was a strength. Um, that I was, and I needed to bless that message instead of um, trying to feel uh, bad about it. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, and so we were, we were. I just bring that up because we were talking about uh, the impact. Um, if I were to tell you know certain people about you know things in my life that I'm exploring or just ideas that I'm holding space for right now, that they might be uh, they, they they could be hurt by that or um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know how to say this without being like so mysterious and people wondering like what is she talking about possibly well yeah and and in centering sessions the, the great thing about centering sessions is that you can you know and I kind of lean into you becoming more uh, specific less general uh, and mm -hmm. and when we're in kind of a a public setting. Um, the generality is is necessary again in order probably to protect yourself or protect someone else from uh, the possibility of getting hurt and uh, and so the the centering sessions are, are are wonderful places to explore the specificity of what's coming up around that big general statement and so that uh, I lean against I most people I've noticed when, when I'm doing centering sessions with them, we'll, we'll make these very broad strokes. And uh, after a few minutes of, of drilling down, uh, I don't even like using that phrase. That seems, seems violent, but um, yeah, thinking of and impacts. I can, I can right. assure anybody that it was not in right. any way violent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just a, a, a well, let's become very specific. What what does that mean in this moment? What 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 are you phrasing this in context of? And uh, and and so, yeah. I mean, it's it's becoming very specific is is uh, important in the centering session, but understanding on a broad sense what goes on uh, certainly gives you a a level of understanding of. Well, what do I do? I, when I'm talking about myself, I, I, I think of it in terms of, well, that's what Toms do. That's what I do. And, uh, and that's just another example of what, what Toms do. Okay, well, all right, that's, that's what I do in a broad sense. And then I can kind of narrow that down uh, and spotlight it <clears throat> in centering sessions. I, I thought it was great. And um, I felt like we got a lot accomplished. I'm one of those people that I like to see, uh, you know, something accomplished. <laughs> and so I like, um, uh, whether it's an experience or something like that. Uh, and I think that, that may be the wrong way to evaluate a lot of experience. A lot of experiences is whether something was done or accomplished, because sometimes life is just about waiting and observing. Mm -hmm. But um, I felt like, that part of me was very satisfied in that I felt like we got to some deeper layers that I needed addressed. And um, it goes, it just goes back to, we were, um, I wasn't, I was concerned about my impact. And um, so I just, I just thought that was really interesting that that's going to be your word. 
Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that came up in our our session too. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Tom, for, uh, you know, thinking about your impact because, you know, I wish, you know, I, I feel like more people are going to become aware of their impact. I hope so. I hope so, too. And, you know, because getting it's, back it's to... not like they don't have impact. Everyone has impact. So. Oh, yeah. Because there are some people and we'll get into the Enneagram later, uh -huh. but uh, some people, who, especially like the Enneagram nine types. Mm -hmm. Uh, often they feel like they don't make an impact. Um, they feel uh, in, sometimes invisible or just uh, whatever they do is not going to make a difference one way or the other. Mm. And um, my my husband's a nine, and wow. I, I can definitely tell you that he has an impact in my life for sure. Mm -hmm. so. And I, and I uh, suppose well, one of one of the things that you you have to do is to keep validating that impact to him. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just an Enneagram novice. I'm not really a, a, a an expert by any means. <laughs> well, I want to uh, congratulate you on your 23rd wedding anniversary with your partner. Thank you. Yeah. And if you feel comfortable, I love hearing stories about how people met. Can you tell me how you <laughs> met your partner? Yeah, so we haven't really gotten married. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, we've talked about it. And, and I remember we were in Houston uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I guess it was four years ago or, or maybe five. I, I can't remember exactly. But uh, uh, when uh, the... Supreme Court finally made it legal for uh, gay unions to occur, and uh, and we were actually at the we found out while we were at the gay pride parade in Houston. It happened like the Friday, uh, and the Saturday was the the pride parade downtown, and uh, that was one of the it was a spectacular uh, parade. Uh, it was a huge a huge win for all of us, but how we met you know i, I got to tell you we were a match made in heaven literally um there was a a uh, a bar in houston called heaven uh, <laughs> this was tw 23 years ago uh it's it's now where south beach is uh in the montrose area the south beach and there's the um ojrs and all those those uh bars are right next to each other and and so it's a, it was a, a bar slash dance club and it was called heaven. And, uh, and that's where we met. He, he was actually, um, he liked a, a mutual friend, Ray, Ray liked me and I liked Ryan. And so, uh, we just had to find a way to get rid of Ray so that Ryan and I could, <laughs> so that's, that, that's what happened. And that was when I was, a I think I was a junior in college, uh, and uh, and that's when I met Ryan, and we've been together. We took a, a year off. Uh, I had to go back to school and and uh, whatnot. But then I I met with him. You know, it was a long distance thing. I, I, I did my undergraduate in uh, near Amarillo, Texas, and uh, uh, I came back yeah. the next. Was that uh, in Canyon, Texas? Yeah. Uh huh. Canyon? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm from. Uh, Amarillo, actually a small town near there called Pampa. Oh yeah. And so I even, 
Pampa, Texas. That's so right. I, I lived in Pampa for many years, and then I also lived in Amarillo for many years as well. So uh -huh. I'm I'm very familiar with that and the Grand Canyon, and I'm not Grand Canyon. Who am I? Almost, <laughs> almost the Grand Canyon. That is our version. Of the, the, Grand the, pa Canyon. the Paladura, right? That is the biggest canyon most of us ever get around to seeing in that well, area. It is, it is the biggest uh, canyon in Texas and the second biggest in the United States. Just given some, you know. It's a beautiful place. It really it is. It really is. Yeah. I just think there were too many times as a kid that I was tired walking the paths of the lighthouse. Uh -huh. And my <laughs> dad just like made us keep going, you know, catch up, walk faster that I just don't see it with quite the same starry eyes as some other people who do, who maybe approach it later in life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, Palo Duro, have you been there? I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. So your partner's name is Ryan. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And so can you tell me, like, what was it that, um, that made you all click? Oh, wow. I mean, that was a long time ago. What made us click? I mean, I, I think there was a, an instant. Um, of course, you know, when you're in your early 20s, there has to be that instant physical attraction. Uh, and, and he was, you know, I was so straight laced. I really we were like polar opposites. I, you know, like I had I, I ironed all my clothes and and, and, you know, like he wore whatever was on the ground and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he was, he was just, uh, uh, he was totally artistic and, you know, he's a big thinker and, you know, I was just trying to make everybody happy and, um, kind of real stiff upper lip. And, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, mama's boy and, and he, he had already moved out of his, you know, parents' house and, uh, you know, I was going to school and he was like working at you know, blockbuster or something like that. I mean, it's just, we were kind of polar opposites and, and, uh, and he was one of the, is one of the most brilliant minds, one of the most artistic people. And, and I think, uh, more than anything, besides the physical attraction, I was fascinated by him and, and fascinated by his, his joy of life. And, um, his his happiness and and you know that he could create he was a creator and i i didn't feel like i had any creation i had to you know in my music you know i, I was i was a musician but you know to create music no i couldn't do that i could read the notes on the page and you know sing the way you tell me how to sing it and all that sort of stuff but i i didn't feel like i was a creator at all but uh ryan is a creator and, and a, a brilliant mind and he, he puts these really complex um, ideas and thoughts together and distills them down sometimes into one word. And, and it's just sometimes mind blowing uh, to be in conversation with him still. Uh, you know, it's like, wow, you just distilled my 15 minute dissertation on this topic down to one word. Great. Thanks. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but uh, his, his blessing is brevity. It is not mine. <laughs> Well, you, uh, I was reading some about the uh, uh, Enneagram um, and the, the type that you identify as. And do you mind if I um, t uh, talk about your type? Not at all. Go for it. Okay. So uh, 
Um, you identified as possibly a four. And I thought it was, um, there was something here. I'm reading from a, the Enneagraminstitute.com website, but it's saying that at their best, they are inspired and highly creative. Um, and there was something else here too. Um, it was talking, oh yes, uh, they needed to, uh, key motivations, they want to express themselves and their individuality to create and surround themselves with beauty to maintain certain moods and feelings. So uh, I think that your artistry with words has really manifested itself in uh, yoga sessions. Mm -hmm. um, evidently, there are many things I don't know about you. <laughs> I uh, didn't know about the uh, your your musician background or anything like that, but uh, at least in this container that uh, I you know I've experienced your leadership, you have painted some of the most beautiful uh, word pictures that I was able to. Um, I'm very I've been very much a person who stays in my mind and trying to think uh, to make decisions from that place as opposed to trusting my feelings or uh, my instincts or what my body's trying to tell me. And so um, when I had like my first few yoga uh, meditations there and uh, you were talking about the, uh, what was it? Well, your castle, you know, and the water starts to slowly come up. Mm. And then at the end, you know, you have, what did you call it? A coral castle. Yeah. You know, first of all, it's, you know, at first it's above the ocean, you know, you have space, you're in this walled palace, you mm -hmm. know, the king, and then this water, it just rises like, like blood and, mm -hmm. and then it, it comes up to your neck and then above your head. And I don't know, I love dream analysis and often, you know, they, always say that water is like emotions. So whether it's uh, a, you know, a flood in your apartment or something, it, it's referring to emotional states. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I often feel like um, overwhelmed by my feelings because I, I have learned over time, I've been conditioned to uh, try and not feel those things. And so whenever I'm drowning, <laughs> in there and you're like the mantra there at the end was like I'm breathing underwater you know mm -hmm. I, ju I just really <laughs> I think I'm <clears throat> getting a little emotional now thinking about it but it's like I took that with me like I'm I may be underwater but I'm breathing <laughs> I'm breathing underwater this is my reality in the moment and I'm going to appreciate it for the full, you know, the polar opposites of what life has to offer. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, so I yeah, don't know where I was actually, going with that. <laughs> it's actually a, a, a poem uh, by Carol Blecky, um, and uh, it's called Breathing Underwater. And at the end, uh, the, the line is something like, uh, and we, we give our, our house uh, to a coral castle and we learn to breathe underwater. And so as you feel this tide coming in, uh, you know, and I, I used that recently in a, in a class when 
facing the coronavirus. You know, uh, you know this. You know, I built. You know, it starts off. I I, I built my. Why don't you get? Yeah, can you can you recite oh, it for us? Yeah, let me uh, let me pull it up real quick. Um, and and I and I thought of this in terms of, and I was relating this in terms of of the coronavirus and, and how, it just kind of, comes up. Um, yeah, Carol Belek is is the name, not Belecki, Belek. Um, breathing underwater. I built my house by the sea, not on the sands, mind you, not on the shifting sand, and I built it of rock. A strong house by a strong sea. And we got well acquainted, the sea and I, good neighbors, not that we spoke much. We met in silences, respectful, keeping our distance, but looking our thoughts across the fence of sand. Always the fence of sand, our barrier, always the sand between. And then one day, and I still don't know how it happened, the sea came without warning, without welcome even. Not sudden and swift, but a shifting across the sand like wine, less like the flow of water than the flow of blood, slow but coming, slow but flowing like an open wound. And I thought of flight, and I thought of drowning, and I thought of death. And while I thought, the sea kept creeping higher till it reached my door. And I knew then there was neither flight, nor death, nor drowning that when the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors, well acquainted, friendly at a distance, a distance neighbors, and you give your house for a coral castle, and you learn to breathe underwater. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the, the image of that is just, you know, you know, taking things as they come, I mean, how in the hell can you stop the tide? You know, you, you live in Houston, you know, and understanding, um, you know, the Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Alicia and all that. How, how in the world can we stop the tide? Well, we can't. We just, you know, take what's coming and learn how to breathe in a different way. We learn how to live in a different way. And, and that's the same that we've had to do kind of through, you know, some sort of rite of passage or initiation uh, in this uh, coronavirus and in the the pandemic and then in the economic stuff that's coming on, we're just learning how to breathe in a different way. And and you know we're giving what we thought were was our house built on the strong sand, you know, built a, a strong foundation, and yet something always can come along and and create that shift. And, uh, and so if we can just allow, allow that to happen and, and stop fighting it, you know, the constant fight, um, then we can learn how to breathe in a new way. And, and that's, that's the, the beauty that that poem alludes to. And I can just surrender, you know. Uh, any room for, uh... May try several different identities on for size, according to his website. <laughs> and it's sounding like that is probably spot on for you. <laughs> because all I knew of before was I thought you had like 
some type of background in oil and gas here in Houston. Yeah. And I knew that somehow you got from there to being a yoga teacher teacher uh-huh. in in Oregon. So uh, can you tell us about um, some of the identities that you've tried on for size and <laughs> and how that kind of kind of helped you to where you you know to be the person that you are now and um, unique perspective you can offer the rest of us? Well, I'm also a Gemini, so I, I'm. I'm trying on a different perspective on Versailles, uh, you know, every 10 minutes, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, the weather in Houston. If you don't like if you don't like me right now, just hang on for five minutes. You'll like me in a few minutes, you know, so um, I'll, I'll change into something else. You know, I, and I am a virtual chameleon. Uh, I really am. I think that's one of the uh, blessings uh, of my upbringing or, or you know the, the the fact that you know I, I grew up in a and somewhat of an abusive home and, and uh, an alcoholic home and, and so it allowed me to um, become a comedian and, and it allowed me to read a room very quickly I can I can step into a room and just take a breath and I can read it and know where I need to go and who I need to stay away from and and all that sort of stuff so that's that's the blessing that comes along with um, with that, uh, and it all the the curse in that is it allows me to hide very easily. So I have to step out of that comfort zone. Uh, and often I, I'll use my personas, these different personas, um, as a way to hide uh, from people, uh, hide my true self, because I'm I'm able to become so many different versions of me, uh, and. Uh, stepping into authenticity is, is really where my focus is now. And I, and I, and that, that's what I have to work. So I call that my character and I call all those other identities that I've created as my persona. You know, when I worked, you know, first in oil and gas, uh, when I worked offshore, I had this, I created this persona of this rough guy, uh, as a protection because that's what all these people who worked offshore were. They were the roughnecks and the rednecks and the, you know, so that was a persona that I, that I hold. And, and so I can kind of go to that persona whenever I'm in that arena of people and people in that arena like me. Uh, so, and then I have the, I've worked in the business world. So I have the persona of being able to get along in, in business. I have the persona of the hippy dippy yoga teacher and, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, pajama pants and the, you know, dashiki shirts and the long hair and you know all that sort of stuff i went through that phase um went to a you know went to school up in amarillo so i have the the phase where i was wearing boots and wranglers and and then i have the phase where uh i was going to rice university where i was kind of like uh uh you know i don't the artist in the at rice university is kind of unkempt and you know you kind of imagine a you know a more more artistic idea to there and so i've i've had all of those different personas and never really finding what it's like to be tom pearson who the hell am i after after going through all those different iterations of me i kind of lost myself and so relating back to the yoga sutras you know one of the the things that you know i was what you were talking about before is, is, uh, 
you know, kind of what I do in my centering sessions and, and how I'm, I'm able to get to things very quickly in the centering sessions. Well, I, there's three main things that are important to me when I'm creating any kind of uh, class or uh, centering session or whatever, whenever I'm engaging in a practice or when I'm teaching a practice is, is it simple? Um, and if complexity kills a practice faster than anything else, if, if it's something that's really complex and uh, I, I tend to think that it dies pretty quickly for me, is it effective? Does it work? And then the third thing is, is, a, is it immediate? Does it work immediately? Or, you know, cause I've, I've been doing things for a long time and I've, I've been part of methods and, and, uh, meditations and practices where the, you know, you just have to keep at it and you have to keep at it and you have to keep at it. Maybe it, you have to keep at it for a year. Maybe you have to keep at it for 10 years. And then at some point magically down the road, you finally get it. Well, you know, that, that just doesn't resonate well for me. What, what is something I can do right now that is effective and immediate? And, and that that's uh, and is simple. Uh, so those are my, my three three things. And, and I think that if I can keep my life simple, effective, and immediate, then I can find my authenticity. So what does an authentic uh, Tom look like? So it's what I call my character. What are my core values? And if I'm in alignment with my core values, then that's, you know, that's Tom Pearson. If I am aligning myself more with somebody else's core values, or what I think somebody else's core values are, um, then I'm not being authentically me. And oftentimes I found my, myself becoming more uncomfortable aligning with my own values than aligning with other people's values. It yeah. just, uh, it's, it's interesting that it, it's more comfortable for me to do what you think you want, what I think you want me to do rather than what I think is best for me. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that that's been the driving force uh, for when I've had these changes come up where I'm trying to express my individuality. And so I just go crazy. You know, like I, you know, I went through a, a phase a couple of years ago, uh, not too long ago, maybe five years ago, where you know, it's all right, I'm going to grow my hair long and I'm going to grow my beard down to my kneecaps. And, you know, I'm just going to become, you know, the most hippy dippy <clears throat> yoga person ever there was in the world. And I'm, I'm establishing myself in this identity. And, you know, I never really liked that either. Um, it, it wasn't true to me. Uh, but it was that, 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 that quality of being a four. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I, you know, if that's not your uh, authentic self, like, you know, looking that persona, I can tell you that um, it probably makes you a lot more accessible to people who are interested in yoga, but they don't want to be somehow, um, they don't, they don't want to get, um, they don't want to learn from someone who look scary to them, like so different from themselves that they're uncomfortable where they won't even come into a classroom. Mm -hmm. So I feel like with you, especially, I mean, as long as you're feeling authentic, 
I, I feel like your yoga and your practice are very accessible to anyone and everyone. Uh, they're not going to be, uh, it's going to be simple and it's going to be effective and immediate. Um, I think they're going to find that like I did my first yoga class with you. Um, mm -hmm. And it, they're not going to be scared away because um, you might be casting some type of magical spells or chanting <laughs> something that they don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, I, uh, I was just encouraging you like, yeah, I, I don't know if that means that you're not, uh, you know, yogi of the yogis. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I make, I think it makes you uh, more accessible to, mm. to people like me who aren't uh, already in that uh, culture. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let me ask you this. Why Oregon? Where? Why are you there now? Uh, Ryan and I had uh, talked about moving somewhere for a long time. Uh, there was this uh, kind of a joke, but not really, um, like a, a seriousness of, of understanding that pretty soon Houston is going to be a lot more waterfront property. Um, and, uh, you know, the, with the the warming of the, the glaciers and the, the Arctic ice that, uh, the, the water is going to be rising. And, uh, and so we just wanted to get out and the number of hurricanes and the, just the, uh, unstable weather patterns of the, the Gulf coast, you know, it's just like, it, it's a, it's a mess and it's hot. Oh my God. It's so hot mm -hmm. there. It is so um, hot. Yeah, it's hot and, and muggy. And, you mm -hmm. know, like, you know, it wasn't so bad when, when I was a kid, you know, because we would get every after, afternoon, there would, we would get a shower, we'd get a, a thunderstorm, and it would cool the place off for a little bit. It would get more humid, but, you know, every afternoon, one, two o'clock, you know, in the summer, we'd get an afternoon shower, and it was like clockwork. And that, that has stopped. And now we go from deluge to drought. And, uh, and it's just really unstable and the the flatness and you know how how far how far do you have to drive in order to see a star uh, i mean you have to get way outside of town and uh, and how how long does it take you to drive you know just to the grocery store around the the corner sometimes it'll take half an hour just to go to a, a few miles so it's just the congestion and the and everything and so we we had talked about moving away from a big city for a long time and, and wondering where that might be um so um he decided that boise idaho was a, a good place so a year and about two years ago now he uh, flew to boise during a vacation and he was just going to tour the pacific northwest for a week and so he wait he uh, did he know anybody in boise idaho no. Oh, okay. Just, just okay. Got it. Yeah, exactly. He, <laughs> he got on a plane, went to, he said, what, what would you think if I did this? And I was like, go for it. Why not? You got the vacation, you know, it's, mm -hmm. what, you know, I can't go with you. So have a good time. And, uh, he, he flew to Boise, got off the plane and he looked right and he looked left and he was like, nope, not going to do Boise. So, uh, he rented a car and he drove West. 
And the first big town, well, I say big town, the first uh, sizable town that you get to if you drive west from Boise is Bend, Oregon. And uh, he fell in love with Bend. <clears throat> and he stayed at this uh, place called the Rainbow Motel. And, uh, and he stayed here for a couple of days. And he was like, okay, this is it. You know, we've got uh, the Cascade Mountains uh, right there. We've got, yeah, it's an active volcanic area. So there's buttes everywhere. There's obsidian fields. There's, uh, and, and like the obsidian fields are, are extraterrestrial. I mean, they are, when you're on it, it's like, I don't even believe I'm on the planet Earth. You know, this is, where did, where did this come from? And, and these lava flow fields and, and then you have the river that runs right through town, the Deschutes River, which is walking distance uh, from our apartment. And, you know, I talk, take the dog on a walk by the, the Deschutes River every day. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's idyllic. It's really gorgeous. And the, the weather couldn't be any more idyllic either. I mean, I think we're going to get up to 75 today as our high. And the lows are like mid-50s. I mean, it's just in the middle of summer. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask. Oh, yeah, no, we, go ahead. We, didn't, we didn't know anybody. And so he decided he was going to move here. So uh, six months later, he's, he packed the car. Well, we packed the car together and I drove him up and dropped him off and flew back. And, and then we spent about a year and a half apart. And I had to, um, you know, work to close down the yoga studio in Houston, which, you know, COVID helped uh, do that early. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. And then I, came I thought and... maybe COVID did it because I was like, wait, I've just gotten into yoga. I have found like this fantastic studio. I've like done two sessions and then of course, of course they're closing down. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So I thought maybe it was COVID, but, uh, well, COVID like had, made it happen you already earlier had and, okay. and, the ideal situation was to be able to keep that location open um, and just have a different manager and for me to come back every now and again and, and do workshops and things like that. But that, you know, I, I kind of read the writing on the wall that yoga, uh, you know, in-person yoga classes as we know it for probably another year are out of the question for me. No, oh, don't say it, Tom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, we keep well, you know having well, these the, new waves of precautions and stuff, and it's like, you know, I think I blogged about this, but like you can be plenty strong, like if you know that there's going to be an end. But as soon as like you realize, okay, well, no one knows when this is going to have an end, and like all these things just keep you know getting pushed further and further and further out. It's like anybody can feel start to just like crumble under that just not knowing uh, when things are going to get back to normal or you can give your house to a coral castle or you can or... Yeah, exactly right and that's that's yes. kind of what what I did uh, by moving to Bend and, and setting up an online community which I think honestly uh, April uh, the, the community online uh, thing that I set up is is I don't know, more powerful, more impactful than the in-person classes, you know, because um, I think I took a lot of a lot of things for granted from the in-person classes. And um, 
Like like what? Yeah. Like what? Like the um, like the people. You know, it was just a class that I was offering, and um, you know, they would come in and we just do our yoga class. But you know, since this happened, you know, we in, in the online classes, I, I we do a check in, and people talk about where they actually are in the moment, um, which I rarely did. You know, it's kind of like when when people would come to classes in person when I was holding them at the studio, it would be like, so what do y'all want to work on? That would be my question. And now it's like, let's do a check-in. How are you doing? What's going on? You know, what's, what's really going on in your life? And, and what can we support you with as a community in this class that might not necessarily be in terms of how to move the body, but rather how can we support you emotionally and, and, and spiritually? Um, more than I ever have uh, in an in-person class at a studio. And so I, I think that the community that has developed in the online on the Zoom classes that I do, has, um, I've become, uh, I don't know, more enriched by. I, it, the impact has been greater, I think, uh, since moving. And it's interesting, you know, and I, I, and I, and I regret that I, I didn't, I didn't do this earlier, you know, with the people who were coming to class. I didn't know, uh, honestly, what to expect from uh, a Zoom yoga class. Um, I was like, you know, a lot of things are not going to be the same. You know, I won't be able to leave my child at the house. <laughs> She's going to be, you know, at the house with me. And there's not going to be the, the music. And um, I guess that physical space where it's, feels different than just being in your house. So I, get, I think that was one of the things I was worried about is just the tone, um, how to be able to set up um, the atmosphere uh, for myself that I was getting there in person. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised as you, as you know, because <laughs> I've mm -hmm. been participating in several classes uh, online since then. But mm -hmm. I guess a little tongue in cheek, uh, at least in person, uh, in Zoom meetings, I don't have to worry about taking someone else's spot in the studio. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that happened. I was like, because they weren't um, mean about it or <laughs> ugly, but I, I knew that as a newcomer, someone like made a point of that's, that's not, that's someone else's spot. <laughs> I just, I just felt like the yoga was so impactful because I knew something was working for me when I just found myself crying. Like, just tears were just streaming down my face. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even know why. And I just felt like I just a release. And I was able to cry because the lighting was a little low and... Mm -hmm you know, everyone's not facing me. They're like, they're facing, they were facing you. And so I felt like I did have some privacy, even though I was in a room of people and I, I just let myself cry. And, and so I'm like, there's something here that's working. Um, so can you tell me how you got into yoga? What was your introduction and why have you stuck with it? Yeah. So I, um, uh, I was doing an opera program and, and, uh, Northridge, California over a summer and this was 
about 15, 18 years ago, something like that. No longer. Oof. No, it's yeah, it's like 18 years ago. Yeah. And uh, every day at noon, <clears throat> they had a, a, a yoga class. And it was uh, being taught by uh, a friend and uh, still a friend and a teacher uh, named Megan McCarver. And I just fell in love with everything about it. And uh, it was a, a, a gentle class and it was perfect for for beginners and, and, uh, you know, it's just every day at noon, I was always looking forward to this, you know, release through a meditative movement. And, uh, and so I had been doing this yoga. I did this yoga for a month, every day at noon for a month. And so I thought that, well, I'm a yoga expert now. Right. So I, I come back to Houston and there was a, uh, I was still working at oil and gas. I was just kind of a contractor and there was a, uh, a, a yoga studio, like just down the street from, from where I worked. And, uh, and since I had been doing yoga for a month, you know, of course I'm an advanced student by now. <laughs> and I took their advanced class and, uh, it was a different style of yoga. It was flow yoga and, uh, or vinyasa yoga. And I mean, it was nonstop for an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes. And people were doing headstands and shoulder stands and handstands and, flipping across and jumping back and jumping forward. And I, and I was like, Oh my God, I couldn't keep up at all. I was, I was a sweaty mess and, and I loved it, you know? So I, you know, I, I loved the whole thing. Like, Oh my God, this is a totally different thing. And, and I loved the challenge of that part. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's kind of what uh, started me on that path. And, and then a couple of months after I started that studio and I started going there daily I went there to almost every 530 class that they had and uh and so I, I started this teacher training never intending to be a teacher i mean i was going to be an opera singer you know and uh you know this was just to learn more i had to know more about this practice it was just so fascinating to me never intending to ever teach a class and and so i finished the teacher training and uh and then i, I I was subbing every once in a while, and then the, the teacher who was normally teaching on Sunday mornings uh, moved to Austin, and so they gave me her class, so I started teaching one class a week, and so I would spend the whole week planning that one class, and, and I got a chance to do that for um, you know, a couple of years, and then uh, next thing you know, I'm you know, a couple of years later, they asked if I wanted to purchased the studio. And so I did. And, uh, and that's how it all began. I mean, that's the, a very abbreviated version. Uh, but, uh, so it but sounds like a, you uh, followed your passion, right? Yeah. I've been, well, uh, I think, I think more it fell on my lap than anything uh -huh. else. Yeah. So I, I found it interesting. I haven't heard of the flow. Uh, actually I've heard of it. I didn't know the difference in that in, uh, other types of yoga, but I just knew that I did not want to have something that was very clinical, where it was just all about body movement. Because I, you know, I've taken, I had taken Pilates classes before and other group exercise type things that were not, I did not find helpful whatsoever. And so I wanted, I was looking for something 
that brought that meditation piece into it where I could kind of just get quiet and connect with my own, my inner self. Like mm -hmm. what, what, what am I feeling? Let's take time to breathe and actually come into the present moment instead of planning for tomorrow or, you know, what am I doing after the class or getting mm -hmm. fixated on what happened yesterday, what someone said, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, I wanted that freedom to be like in the moment, in my body, you know, and experience that. And so I, I found that with um, the yoga classes you led, it wasn't something that tried to divorce um, just the body movements from, um, I don't know what you would call it, but you know, the meditation, the being in the moment, the present. Um, right. So I, I liked that about your class. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, the, I, I think that if I were to uh, sum up the difference between those practices is that I, I, you know, the, the way that I practiced vinyasa or flow style yoga was a, a quantitative yoga. Like I've got this many chaturangas in, I got this many sun salutations in, I got this many uh, breaths in this pose, you know, it was all very uh, checking a, a mark on the list. And, and I think that in some way, uh, when you're beginning teaching or when you're beginning practicing, you have to kind of go through that quantitative uh, state, like, you know, spending this, this long in each, each pose and, and, and so on. So you, ha you have that, those, those check marks. And then there's a shift that occurs, hopefully, as, uh, as one matures in the practice. And that, that maturation goes from quantitative to qualitative. What's the quality of the practice? Like what, you know, one of the, the biggest things that, that people resonate so well in my classes are is not so many, like, how are you doing it? But why are you doing it? So just in, in setting up the very first breaths, the breathing with intention, well, what is that intention? You know, so if your intention is love, well, then express love in your breath. Like, how can my next breath be an expression of love? Right. So that that intention setting just means how am I going to behave while I'm doing the practice? And so if I can express love in my breath then I can allow that uh, love in that breath uh, to be the impetus for the next movement. So how can I express love? as I'm doing this next sun salutation. And the beauty of that is, is if I'm moving and breathing with intention and then I'm, I'm doing these particular poses, then I don't really care how many of them I'm doing. It's no longer about quantity, you know, and I can feel in the pose, I can feel the love or feel that intention. Gratitude was my intention this morning. Feel the gratitude of the pose. And then the beauty of that is that the likelihood of getting injured while expressing love or expressing gratitude has all but is, is all but gone, you know? So, um, we, we, it's very difficult for someone to harm themselves or anyone else if their practice is an expression of love or an expression of their intention. And, uh, that's where I like to try to get to. You know, if you're if you're doing expression of love or whatever your intention is, then um, you won't get injured by the practice. There's really no way to do a wrong pose if you're doing it in love. You know, right? Because then, if you're if you're hurting yourself, 
you're going to stop because right. you love yourself and you're trying to express that. So you can't express, right. I love myself and yet I'm going to push myself to the point of pain, you know, right. et cetera. Right. So, yeah, yeah, one of my first intentions during your class was uh, significance and meaning. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like I had some type of significance, like my life had meaning. And and so I guess it may sound funny or weird to say I'm going to try and express uh, an intention through movement. But, you know, when you do it, <laughs> you try it, you know, and actually it, it has more of an impact than um, you might think. I well, it was no, beautiful. I mean, that's, you know, we, we do that all the time. Uh, but on a subconscious level, right? So every time we're moving, we're, we're moving uh, with an intention in mind, you know? And and if our, there's a lot of uh, subconscious intentions or, or messages that, that go on in the background, these uh, what you might call shadow messages of, of, about worthiness, about am I loved? And, and so just on a, on a subconscious level, I am acting out those messages all the time in just about everything that I do, right? That when we get on a yoga mat and then we call to mind a particular intention, no, I am loving. So love is my intention. And now I'm going to allow my behaviors, my actions to align with my intent because my actions are going to align with my intent anyway right but if if that if that intent is a shadow message of i'm not worthy or you know i'm uh, i i don't deserve or you know whatever shadow messages happen to linger in there uh then my actions become a way of reinforcing that particular message and so if i change that message and then in, with intention put my actions starting with the breath how do I breathe in a way that supports that new intention? You know, I, I love oftentimes I'll start with uh, the prayer of St. Francis, where there's a lot of intent words in there. There's uh, peace. Let me, you know, where uh, let me be a, an instrument of thy peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's, um, you know, all, all these uh, in, in, intentions. So there's love and peace and light and joy and, and um, uh consolation and forgiveness and all of these really powerful intent words that are in that prayer uh, that, okay, I'm going to pick one of those words today if I'm not inspired uh, by anything. And, and then I'll read a prayer like that and I'll go, oh, okay. Or, you know, like, like you, you mentioned, uh, uh, validation. Uh, I don't think you use the word validation, but, you know, um, uh, yeah, meaning maybe. and significance. Yeah. Significance, that's the mm-hmm. word you, you use, significance. Uh, and, and so having those things and then allowing my practice to unfold as an ex- expression, all I'm doing is expressing that intention. You know, I'm not doing yoga anymore. I'm expressing love. I'm not, you know, and it, it just changes the whole dynamic. You know, I'm not doing yoga anymore, whatever doing yoga means. I mean, it's just become kind of a, a punchline to jokes now, you know, is doing yoga. But if you were to say something, no, I'm not doing yoga. I'm expressing love through movement. Wow. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of how, how my practice has, 
has transformed. And then it, it doesn't really matter what kind of yoga I'm doing, whether it's a vinyasa flow kind of yoga, or if it's a yin type of yoga, or, you know, whatever title it has, you know, it, all I'm doing is expressing my intention. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is that other than your yoga training, have you had any type, do you have a medical background? Uh, yeah, I'm a, well, not medical, but uh, I'm a massage therapist. Uh, and so I've, I've done a lot of training in massage therapy. I have a, a licensed in the state of Texas, thinking about getting licensed in Oregon, but I think I've given that face-to-face uh, -face massage kind of thing up for a, about a year. We'll, we'll revisit that in a, in the future when the whole COVID thing has calmed down. Um, well, you just seem then, to have such a, a grasp of like, uh, you know, you, you could, you use a very medical, you know, medical terminology during the, and then like you have, I, like I said, a good grasp of motion and how one mm -hmm. is connect, you know, mu one muscle group works with another. And so you feel all, uh, very safe like this person knows what they're doing and they're not going mm -hmm. to have you do something that's going to uh, hurt you or, uh, you know, you're going to be having to see a chiropractor afterwards or anything like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, and, and a lot of that has to do with my own interest in, in how the body works and, and my own uh, uh, self-study, you know, like I, I remember reading the, Travel and Simmons um, uh, book on uh, trigger point therapy and you know that those are textbooks and the Leon Chaitao textbooks on on muscle movement and naturopathy and and uh, uh, it's it's all very fascinating to me that that's my light reading that's what I love to go to when when I'm you know, uh, let's let's read how the body how the how the body works and and you know different techniques and, and things like that. So that came from uh, you know twelve years of of practice and of teaching yoga teachers and teaching anatomy and physiology and, and all that stuff. So um, that that's where all that comes from. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of your clientele is you know here in Houston because that's where you you know you you started off. Mm -hmm. um, as you get more people uh, signing up for your classes from other areas, do you think you might, are you going to either offer more classes or are you going to be changing your times? Because I know right now you cater a lot towards our central standard time. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and so do you think you would, like, if you get more people there uh, in Bend, Oregon, who become familiar with your offerings, uh, are you going to, maybe add more classes that go with their, with your, you know, your Pacific time, or are you going to, um, I don't know, maybe uh, start changing classes up where it's uh, not as much for uh, Houston, Houstonians? Well, you know, I, honestly, I, I'm, I, I don't know how interested I am in adding classes to my schedule. Um, I am more interested in, in connecting one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, where if, if, if people want, if, if people are really interested in doing yoga, that they'll find a way typically to, to fit a few classes into the schedule, no matter what time I offer it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people are very industrious about time when it's important to them, honestly. Right. right. 
Uh, and and I, I have come at it for a long time as a yoga teacher where I would work my schedule around everybody else's. And, you know, that wound up me teaching, you know, sometimes 18, 20 classes per week. Mm. And, uh, and that's, that was just way too much for me. I'm very happy with six classes a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9.30 and, and 5.30 Central Standard Time. You know, that seems to be a pretty good time for my DC clients, you know, uh, which is, uh, what, 10.30 a.m.? No. Uh, yeah, 10.30 a.m. and, and uh, 6.30 p.m. for them. And then on the West Coast here, it's uh, 7.30 a.m. and, and 3.30 p.m. You know, I've got clients on all time zones, and, and uh, it seems to work out. So... It, it, there would have to be a really big pull, uh, a really big, big, big pull for me to add a class to my mm -hmm. schedule. <laughs> yeah. Because because we're at the, the direction I'm trying to go is towards centering work. And if I'm always engaged in group classes, then that leaves me less time uh, to connect in, in, the, in what I, the direction that I really want to go, which is that centering work. Well, when I first walked into the um, studio, there had been um, a little brochure uh, for Tea Time with Tom. Yeah. So going back to that one-on-one -on -one that you said that you enjoy so much, I was like, Tea Time with Tom. It has a nice ring to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like tea. So I wanted to know what your uh, connection was with tea or if that was simply just um, a way of... Uh, I don't know, a cute way of reaching people and getting some one-on-one -on -one time with them. Right. So that was my original uh, centering session. Uh, the, the original centering session that I, that I uh, came up with when, when I was at the studio was we would come in, you know, because centering work can be kind of intimidating. Like, what the hell are we going to do? You know, I don't know about this. But if, if I could just tell you, hey, we're just going to have, we're going to sit down and have a cap, cup of tea together and then have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that took the mystique out of it. Uh, and it took the, it made it a little more safe. Um, and, and so what, what the tea time with Tom was, is, you know, we'd, we'd come in and uh, I had a couple of teas that you could choose from and I would set it up to brew. And while the tea was brewing, We'd do a little meditation, a centering meditation, and you know, sometimes just a physical body or a breath meditation, maybe like what we did uh, to start off, you know, like the here and now meditation is what I call that. Um, and then I pour the tea, and then we, what came up for you during the meditation? And then I would just start asking questions. And so I, I look at centering work or the tea time with Tom as just allowing you to hear yourself say the answers you know i just i just learned how to ask questions you know I, I i just have the questions all of the answers everything that you need to know is already inside of you and all i'm doing is asking the right questions and uh so i don't give you any answers all the answers came from you right i, I mm -hmm. didn't force any answers out of you when we did our centering sessions all of those answers came from you all i did was ask the right questions or different questions. Right. And, uh, and so that's what the tea time with Tom was all about. It was always a centering session, but taking out the mystique. And, and also back then, you know, if, if you could, 
after a centering session, if you could have spent like when you did your centering session, if you could have spent, you know, 30 minutes on the on the table, on a massage table and received the blessing from that session for a full 30 minutes. And, you know, like as I'm, you know, doing the, the hands, you know, placing my hands on a certain particular on a, a part of your body, say your feet. And I, I say, feel that blessing come into your feet. And I, you know, up the legs and up the back and feel that blessing come into your spine as you're getting that massage, you know, where you're really absorbing uh, that new affirmation, that new way of thinking about yourself. It just made that, that session was just incredibly powerful. And, uh, and I'm sad that there's not that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, where we get to drink tea together and, and uh, have that ceremony. It was very ceremonial, the whole thing. Um, you know, and, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm sad that, that that ceremony has gone, but the meat of that session is still very powerful. Well, and if you're not having to do, you know, 20 plus classes a, a week, then you would have, you might have time uh, to schedule people who are there in Oregon to do exactly. that again. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you have a class coming up soon, uh -huh. so, but I do want to get in this last segment. Sure. Um, teachers. Um, in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke Story always ends his podcast by asking his guests um, this question. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? Mm-hmm. Ooh, the one, the biggest one uh, for me right now is uh, Father Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. Uh, he's founded a, a, a center for contemplation, action and contemplation in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, a long time ago. And I, I can't help but, you know, I've, I've read so much of, of his works. And in fact, I got that Breathing Underwater poem from him um, that I've, I've read so much of him. It's hard sometimes to distinguish uh, at this point, what's my own thought and what came from him. I mean, he is, he is, uh, uh, the most significant, um, he, he's had the most impact on me as a teacher. Um, another teacher right now that I'm reading and, uh, He's he's profound. Uh, it's a book called The Cooking Gene uh, by Michael Twitty. And uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with food. I love food. I'm a, a wonderful cook. I, I just love everything about food. And uh, um, this is in terms of, of uh, you know, social justice and, and things like that. So he's, he's uh, a chef who who set up a, a number of years ago, this, uh, tour called the, the Southern discomfort tour. And, uh, he went to cook on some plantations. He's a, he's a, a black man. And, uh, he went to go cook on some plantations the way they would have cooked, uh, you know, when the plantations were, were operable. And, uh, he tells a different 
a different story. And it's a story that I was never taught growing up. And so these pages have me laughing. They have me crying. And there's a lot of folding the book up and putting it down and, and then contemplating uh, what I just read. And sometimes reading it several times and going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And so I'm, I'm learning so much from him and, and of course, uh, a couple of other books. Uh, yeah, so there's there's uh, someone that I, I can look up, uh, uh, this book called, um, oh, let me look. I forgot the name of the book. It's On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. Um, and it's... Uh, just an incredible Ocean Vong as the author, and uh, so he's a he's a new a new teacher of mine. Uh, so these the teacher that that I've had for a long period of time, Richard Rohr, um, and then the you know, I guess I I ought to mention uh, in terms of of yoga, uh, some of the uh, best teachers that I've had are Baba Hari Das, uh, uh, Ram Das as well, uh, but Baba Hari Das uh, and his teachings um, are profound. And he, he founded a, 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 the Hanuman Temple in, the, in the Northern California in a, a town called Watsonville, California. He's got a beautiful center there. He, he passed away September last year. Uh, and that was really sad, but, uh, but Baba Haridas has, has had a profound influence on, on my yogic teaching and philosophy. So those are all people that you can look up, incredible teachers. But the, the primary one that I go to is, is Richard Rohr. Yeah. Well, how can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in your own sandbox? <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, my sandbox, I got a, a title for it. If you go to the internet, you can type in uh, www.guiding-vision.com. And that's that's uh, my website, and um, it'll give you access to all my blogs and all my weekly offerings and the classes and the centering sessions and there's even a you know a, a free introductory session that you can set up right there online and and uh, uh you can contact me and, and connect with me in any of those ways i'd be happy to to spend time with anyone really yeah. i want to thank you tom so much for joining us in Sheffy's sandbox uh much love to you Thank you and blessings to you, April, and to your brother, Stephen, and the hard work that he's doing as a nurse, uh, sending out and radiating, um, you know, all the well wishes uh, to both of you.